KMB Communications, KMB underscore com, or Katie McGregor, that's K-A-T-Y-E McGregor, uh, on Twitter. This is AV Power Up. Let's do this. Hey everybody, this is Johnny Moda at jmoda 3 on Twitter, and if you were in a previous conversation, you'll know that I'm going to change my name to Sir Captain Sky Pirate the Third Esquire. You're listening to AV Power Up. Let's do it. Esquire Bitcoin, I thought. That too. Okay. And I am Corey Moss at CB Moss, and you are listening to the show, Let's Power It Up. I am your host, and tonight we have a really special show, I got to tell you. Um, we got guitars, let's just say that, all right, to start this thing out. <laughs> and with that being said, um, we <laughs> yes, uh, let's get to our sponsor, Ingram Micro. Um, for all of your AVIT needs, uh, at ingrammicro.com. I think I said that right, but I'll say it again. Ingram Micro for all your AVIT needs, ingrammicro.com. You do not need the WWWs as we learned from Rich Prevetti, uh, in 2015, the WWWs are not necessary. Forget them, burn them, get rid of them. Right, Katie? Katie agrees. Silently, she agrees. There it goes. She agrees. <laughs> and I think Johnny shook his head up and down. Yes. So uh, Agreed. Do whatever you want with them. Bury them in the fields. Pack them to your friends. I don't care. You don't need them. So, so that in Bitcoin is totally worthless, right? So many yes. valuable things Rich Pravidi provided us. Oh, I tell you. Yeah. Rich with the hot jobs and getting rid of those WWWs. I mean, you invented the interwebs, Johnny, but, uh, you know, I mean, all that pain we went through with those W's is no more. <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, hats off to Rich Pavetti. Great, you know, that he uh, has allowed us to drop those W's. Um, again, before we get to the guests, uh, I have a special announcement to make. Uh, Hope Roth, um, as of tonight, is no longer going to be a regular crew member on the show. So, as everybody remembers, Hope, uh, I'm sorry, Krista, I, you know, I always used to get them confused and they made fun of me. Uh, Krista Bender left the show as of December to start her own show, Tech Chaos, here on Rave Radio, and the Miss Wonderful Katie McGregor Bennett, uh, who I don't know if she can talk right now, uh, was on that first show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, Katie? I was. It was awesome. Yeah, it certainly was. You and Jane Johnson from Pivot Communications did the show. And um, there was a little drones talk. And the second show that they did was with uh, Chris Yang and, of course, more drones talk. So if we haven't talked enough about drones uh, with Tech Chaos, maybe we'll even talk some drones tonight. We'll, uh, we'll see if these guys on the show uh, have, uh, you know, any, uh, any liking for drones uh, along with guitars. So... Um, What's going to happen is Hope is going to be hosting her own show, The Floating Point, here on Rave Radio, coming in February, uh, something that uh, I'm looking very much forward to, as well as uh, others who know about it. So again, Hope uh, will be uh, doing The Floating Point. She'll be hosting that and looking forward to it. So um, without further ado, let's get to our guests. So first, we have... Stephen Arnold, um, and I have to tell you the little backstory here. So at the Government Video Expo here in Washington, D.C. in December, uh, I met David Bauman, Stephen's uh, marketing creative director, 
of Steve and Arnold Music. Now, the show had a lot of companies, uh, you know, some in the audiovisual industry, some uh, that, you know, more in video production and all. But I happened uh, by the booth, and I'll tell you what most caught my eye was a book. And we're going to get to that book because it is absolutely phenomenal, called The Story of Six Strings. And I really, really can't wait to get into it. But, um, you know, we have Stephen. Stephen brought somebody along with him, Greg Barnhill. Um, and, uh, you know, let me uh, give a little background to Greg. So, a uh, little story here. Originally from New Orleans, Barnhill has been writing and performing his entire life. Artists from Etta James, Martina McBride, and Jessica Simpson to Chicago, Tim McGraw, Leanne Womack, Leona, Lew Leona Lewis, and many in between have embraced his songs. Uh, I'll stop there. I mean, uh, this is this is terrific stuff. So, gentlemen, uh, Stephen Arnold, Greg Barnhill, welcome. Um, happy to have you aboard. Glad to be here. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Stephen, let's talk to you first. Um, so, again, I met David Bauman at the Government Video Expo. We we talked for quite some time. He told me about you, about uh, your being a composer. And there's a statement that uh, I tell you what, I actually uh, looked you up on Wikipedia. Very simple. Stephen Arnold's a jingle writer, often referred to as the least known, most heard composer in America. Stephen, can you give me an idea about that statement? Well, uh, <laughs> I guess it's just that 99% uh, of what we do, uh, the people here, uh, they don't know who did it. So it's, it was kind of a tongue in cheek statement, but it really kind of is true because when you listen to all the um, music that's on the air in the background between the Weather Channel, CNN, uh, Discovery, HBO, CBS, I mean, uh, and the amount of times that this music gets played, it gets, it, you know, it's, it's kind of fun because. Nobody knows who the heck we are. And actually, we don't really care if they know who we are or not, uh, as long as our clients know who we are. So um, so that's kind of where that statement came from. It, uh, we had, an, uh, you know, from time to time, we have ad agencies that help us with marketing. And they were asking us at one point, so how many households listen to your music on a daily basis? And so we subscribed to, to Nielsen. And so that's how that came about. So. Anyway, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek deal. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, in, in looking at the book, there there is one statement from somebody who I will read in a little while, which you may be uh, the least known, most heard comp composer in America, but there are some very well-known people uh, who uh, certainly made statements in, in this book, as well as some of the guitars and scenarios that are in here are absolutely incredible. Um, so, uh, Greg, why don't you, uh, you know, why don't you chime in here, introduce yourself and what you do? Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a, a hit songwriter here in Nashville. I've been here, you know, I, originally, you know, I, uh, I came to Nashville on a fluke. I was really wanted to head to LA. I was more of a pop guy, you know, more of a pop rock guy at the time. And, uh, uh, I moved to Nashville in 1986, um, uh, it, it was just by accident. I, I, they discovered me. I assigned me to Warner Brothers. I went to a seminar, and uh, you know, I wasn't even planning on going to a seminar. And I went there, 
and everything just happened. My dad went with me. Where I was, I was young. I was probably about 24, 25, and he would just he wanted to tag along. And so they really liked what I did. For some reason, they liked it, and they asked me, "Hey, do you want to be an artist for Warner Brothers?" And I said, "Yeah, where do I sign?" You know, and I'm, and at that time, you know, I thought I was going to be, you know, opening for somebody huge next week or two weeks. You know, in my mind, I was, you know, well, that was just the very beginnings of a, you know, the very very beginnings, and it was a very long road ahead of me to do that. But uh, through it all, you know, I just I was an artist for Warner and development, and uh, never did I never did uh, I put an album together, but it never came out. At the end of the whole thing, at the end of my tenure there, I uh, um, I left there and I went with uh, 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 then f- uh, hooked up with Mike Chapman. Mike Chapman produced Blondie, The Knack, a bunch of those guys, and mm-hmm. he produced yeah. me. I, I was an artist, still be doing an artist thing then, and and um, so uh, basically, you know, I just you know, I, did, I just I fell into writing because you know, writing I was just home to me. You know, I would write more. more I, I, I performed a lot in bars and I was a stage guy. And mm-hmm. I knew how to do the show thing and the whole thing. But but uh, the song, when a song speaks, it's a lot more powerful when an artist speaks. Because a song outlasts any, uh, any artist, you know, it really does. You know, mm-hmm. a great song goes on and on and on, you know. And, you know, after the artist is gone, you know, the song's still there. So, but that's the, the great thing about being a songwriter and just in, uh, and I, and, I, and being from New Orleans, I listen to a lot of different music, and we we listen to a lot of, you know, I listen to a whole lot of the indigenous New Orleans music, but I also listen to all the Caribbean stuff, the soul stuff. It was a melting pot of everything, of rock, big time rock town, by the way, big yeah. time. All, all the metal guys came through there. It was like, yeah, man. And so I was sneaking into concerts with my cousin back in the day, uh-huh. you know, and we were like, you know, derelicts back in the day going to these shows, but. Uh, but uh, it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was really a cool experience, and and I got I've li- I listened to a lot of stuff, man. You know, that's mm. all I could say. And and I use it now. I use it in my everyday life writing. You know, so you know, you mentioned two great bands there, The Knack and Blondie, and we talked a little before. Uh, you know, we recorded about my my music, and I'm more into hard rock and even heavy metal. Uh, and we talked about some of that, and, and really, Stephen, you know, your travels and you know the guitars and everything else the musicians i'm sure it runs the gamut for you right yeah it really does i mean it's that's what makes it kind of interesting when i first got into it because i was into the artist thing living in la trying to get a record deal never happened but what's kind of interesting now is that um you know depending on the client i mean we can you know we write music that is like everything from john williams full orchestral stuff to to your really edgy um industrial rap uh kind of stuff so it's it's um you know kind of, people kind of ask me sometimes they go well what comes first the words or the music you know always tell them it's the deadline you know <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Good. and that's what i love working with with greg too because he's he's taught me a lot in terms of how to kind of what he calls writing sideways and that's where you kind of take a a certain genre or a certain uh uh you know artist and you sort of write in that same style without ripping them off kind of a thing so without you plagiarizing yeah right yeah. yeah i mean so it's basically about creating sort of emotional connections uh with music using the same sensibilities as artists you know you know i tell you what uh greg uh i'm reading in your 
uh, profile. It says in 2007, you earned an Emmy nomination for the hit It's a New Day for the Today Show, mm-hmm. you know, where we talk music, musicians, and everything else. Now we are actually talking about uh, the New Day. It's a New Day theme, and I remember because I always watched the Today Show. Uh, so that was you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, that and I uh, won an Emmy a couple of years later for for the other for another one for today. Okay. But the thing, you know, the the thing about that was they they wanted something that was like alive and and young and that sounded like morning. And you know, I just thought of everything I could. You know, I don't really I, I don't really think more about it. I feel more or less. I just get up, I start feeling things, mm-hmm. and I try to put that into something, and I try to be original. Number one. I try not to, I try not to, to, to I listen to influences, but I try to make it its own thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was one of the things that happened. It turned out to be its own thing. It was great. And the, and the network loved it. The guy at the network loved it. Everybody loved it, you know? So it worked out bingo, you know? And, and it was like, you know, one of those things that, you know, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot anyway. You know what I'm saying? You got other guys, everybody's vying for that spot, you know? And so it was just a, you know, I just th- did what I thought was the best thing. And, you know, you know, and I, yeah, and I'm a writer, and I got, and I'll let Katie chime in a little here because I'm sure she has a few things to add. But you know, I somebody I was talking to last week, a good friend of mine. You know, he, he actually a, a blog I had written, and I and I write for Ray Publications, whereas where the show uh, goes on Ray Radio as well. And he on a blog I wrote, he said, "You nailed it." And I said, well, thanks. That's great. So he brought up one paragraph. And the way I described it, Greg, and maybe you have some of the same thoughts in terms of how you do things. It actually, you know, I kind of took some thoughts, looked at statements somewhere, and it all just kind of fires around, you know, where I'm, I'm writing it, but I'm writing and I'm shaping it. I'm replacing this word that and, and it just comes together. Mm-hmm. And you kind of sit there and you go, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Do I let it brew? I just call it let it brewing, man. I'll 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 think about it for a couple of days, and bam, I'll just start. I'll just start stream of consciousness doing doing something, mm-hmm. you know. And so then it then I let that happen. You know what I mean? As a matter of just its own its own entity, you know. You, you know what? I think that's a good thing, Johnny. I'm going to tell Gary I write with stream of consciousness. What do you think? That'll be imp- he'll be impressed with that. Mm, could you phrase phrase that in the form of a question? <laughs> It might go smoother if you tell them that. Maybe I'll, yeah, well, yeah, that, that's a good idea. I'll think about that. So, uh, Katie McGregor-Bennett, um, you got to have something to say. I do. This, no, right? I do. You know, it's, so it's really interesting listening to um, writers of different types. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a writer. I just happen to put words on a page and sometimes they all gel and make sense. But, I, you know, I think it's, it's really fascinating, the process that we all sort of draw upon and i think more than anything it's it's creative you know and whether you're a writer or you're a musician you're a podcast or whatever you know i think it's you you kind of find that creative space and you just sort of like roll with it and you know i think with us as communicators we tend to do the same thing you know we we have to first identify what the objective of the the message is but then it's just sort of you know just work through it you know there's always a different angle there's always a different approach and what I tell my writers often is just, you know, just get, here's, here's kind of the main point that I need you to stick to. But if you get in the zone and you just start flowing and it's making sense and you, you know, you just, just roll with it, just get it on the page, whether you use it in the end or not is, isn't really the point. It's just get that creative juice onto the page, read through it, modify it. If it makes sense, if not just park it and, and make a point of going back to it, take a look at it. And I think that's probably, you know, I think we kind of all share that similar thread, which is, you know, just, just get into it. See, see where it takes you. Cool. 
So I don't know if we said it, uh, Stephen, and we are going to get to Stephen Arnold music now, but uh, Stephen is in that uh, great state of Texas, and I'm in Washington, D.C., Stephen, and I have to say that I, I, I say that, but as a Washingtonian, we talk football and all, uh, I am going to call it the great state of Texas. Um, and uh, Stephen is in McKinney, Texas. And I tell you what, I lived in Austin for a little while and certainly visited uh, Dallas, McKinney, and those areas. So uh, got to be big-time music there, Stephen, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's amazing the amount of uh, talent that's here in North Texas. And really, it, it really uh, harkens back to the amount of talent. Uh, you look at a lot of these these uh, amazing artists that came from Texas, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and mm-hmm. he just, I mean, you can just go on and on and on. And, um, but there's a whole new onslaught of just great um, singer songwriters that are really from this area. In fact, we're in the process of starting a monthly sort of uh, web, uh, I, I guess a, a, a webcast kind of thing where we're going to mm-hmm. kind of hear new artists and that are in the area like there's a great blues guy um um Anderson Thunderbird is who's I don't know if you ever heard of him but um the just amazing writers around here so um you know we're excited about the possibility of giving them a little more exposure and and um and also just organically kind of latching on to more of the artist thing because what we do is sometimes so clinical and there's such huge um time constraints and it, it, it gets it it does just you sometimes lose the art because of the fact that there's you know technology and deadlines are kind of sometimes sucking the art out of the product you know and um so we're hoping to to kind of real back and into to, to some of the people and, and the music around here and so that we can organically kind of recapture that thing. I know it sounds a little esoteric, but it, it is kind of fun when when you get somebody in the studio and, you know, like we'll bring up a, a, a singer in to sing a session and we're running late, so they're in the studio and they pick up a guitar that's sitting in the studio or the piano, and then all of a sudden they start playing a song, just one of their songs, and you just go, whoa, man, it's just, you know, and that's, you know, honestly, in what we do, um, I feel real fortunate to have, uh, to be in business uh, as long as we have and do the things we do, but I do miss the real, um, I guess, uh, artist side of the whole business, the, the, the organicness of just, you know, coming up with a song and stuff like that. And now everything is so, um, it, it's just, it's so generated by uh, marketing and ratings and stuff like that. It's, that's probably, I'm rambling, but it is a frustrating part of the business. Very much so. Yeah. Go ahead, Greg. No, no, I, I agree with him because, yeah. you know, uh, you know, a, a lot of times it's, you know, it's a client that exactly wants this and they won't get off of that and they want that. And you have to, and, you know, you have to do that. I mean, because they want something in that ballpark, you know, and that's okay. I mean, but, but with us as artists, you know, and, and Steve and I are artists. I mean, we, 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 we lean toward creating, creating things that, you know, and, and moving in a forward direction creatively. And, and so, you know, 
sometimes you you know it, we, we, it's just like there's the there's the grass over there the, there's the pasture we can just get to it you know and there's it's like you know we're always looking there and so that's the you know the our our uh dilemma i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh Hey, Stephen, there was a very interesting statement you made there. You talked about technology, and I think you said something about it sucking the – what did you say about that, sucking the life out of the yeah, music? Or To me, it's more like the uh, science is kind of sucking the art out okay. of – Okay, sucking the art out of music, right, right, yeah. And, and it is because, I mean, it's amazing because with technology, I call them kind of bedroom bobs. Uh, there's a lot of talented people that um, – that are creating great music. And I don't mean to, uh, to be demeaning to people that are kind of one man shows or whatever else. But, um, you know, what Greg and I were kind of brought up where, where you go into a studio and you've got the interaction of a, uh, rhythm section, you've got a piano yeah. player, guitar player, you know, bass player and, um, drummer. And I could bring in a half-assed chart in of something I've written in it. And it might have, you know, it might have a good solid foundation of a good melody of a good, what I call sonic brand or whatever. And, you know, the, the piano player would sit there and go, well, that kind of sucks. Did, what, have you thought about maybe using this chord? And I'm go, wow, I never heard of that chord, you know? And then pretty soon by the end of the session, you've got this wonderful piece of music that was really the culmination of, of, of synergy that happens when you get, four or five people together. And I think that that's why now so much of the, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the music industry I can't really speak to, but I, I do think that, you know, when you go to a live concert, you're experiencing the interaction and the synergy of a number of people on stage, you know, and yeah, it may be the same song, but you could go to the, you know, uh, a different concert and the same song is, is, played slightly differently or whatever. And there's a synergy with that. And, and that's what used to happen in the studio. And I'm, I'm convinced that that's why some of the classic uh, music uh, back in the day um, still resonates so much today because it was, it was a combination of, of a lot of just great artists that were coming together and they were, they were feeding off of each other. So, um, and I would love to see that, happen more with what we do in, in all forms of, of, you know, the various, uh, you know, platforms of media to where if, if there was more interaction that was going on, because I, I truly believe that you would end up, um, uh, you know, w- with better content. You know? more, yeah, more kind of, yeah, right. You, you know, the other thing too, in Nashville, we sort of, we get into this, Nashville's a production town for the most part. Country music is like, it's production. It's like, okay, we're getting in there, we got, we got four songs to do in, in, in three hours. And so they hammer down. And what happens with that is, you, un, even unintentionally, you get cliches and you get things that bleed into it that keep it kind of in the same thing. Because the, 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 the thing that people had in the, back in the day was time. They had time to think about things. When you have time, man, time does this magical thing of inspiration hits you, and you go. That's when that guy comes up with that keyboard part, and that, and that you know, when you got the time to do things. Of course, budget constraints keep you from doing that. You know, these days with with uh, you know, everybody everybody here is like uh, it, it runs like a bank up here now. You know, so it's like you know everything's you know you don't have the time for creativity almost. You know, and it seems mm. I mean it still gets through, but it doesn't get through like it could. 
you know, yeah. what say. Interesting. And again, with technology is concerned, uh, you know, we're a technology industry. We talk technology all the time. And to hear a statement like that, Stephen, is very interesting where, you know, you talk about technology uh, sucking the art out. And uh, for us, without the technology, we have no industry. So it's, it's very interesting how you look at such uh, perspectives in that way. There's no, uh, there's no question about it. Well, let, let me interject this because you're absolutely right. I, um, if it wasn't for technology on, on the flip side, it sounds like I'm, you know, doing double speak here, but mm. certainly technology has allowed us to do so much more than we ever could have done. Like right. we just finished uh, uh, a huge rebrand of uh, the largest um, of network in China called CCTV. And there's no way we could have done that job without technology. So, I don't mean to be demeaning technology. I just, I, I think there's a balance there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'll, I don't want to ramble on, but I'll tell you, here's a little cliff note story. So one day um, uh, I, I was commissioned to write something. And so uh, I was in front of my keyboard um, which I, you guys, I know they, they can't see this on the air, but so here's my little writing station. I don't know if you can see that, but you know, there's a whole, there's a keyboard and there's a whole bunch of, uh, mm. um, of, you know, there's a, just, just a whole bunch of soft sense and hardware and stuff like that. So I, I, I came up with this like five note little melodic thing that I thought was pretty cool. And, and so then I hit a couple buttons and went, wow, I wonder what it would sound like if I had a little French horn with a string on top. And so I plugged that in, played the five, same five notes. I spent like two hours, you know, doing different, what they call patches with these sounds. And at the end of two hours, I realized I'd spent the last two hours playing the same shit over and over again with different sounds. (laughs) And so now what I do is I go to the piano or to uh, one of these guitars and I blow off the technology. All I want to do is come up with, with, and I'll spend the two hours coming up with maybe uh, a dozen different melodic mnemonic, uh, you know, melodies. And, and once, once we nail down two or three of them, then I'll go to the um, technology to take them and enhance them. And I think therein lies kind of the rub because there's a tendency for the, for the technology to interrupt the creative flow. It's almost like, you know, if you're typing a story or typing a blog or something like that, and all of a sudden the software crashes or there's an, all of a sudden something pops up and said, Oh, here's an update, you know, and so you get distracted with, Oh, I got to do this. And pretty soon the, the big idea of, gets lost. So yeah, you're describing when my WordPress crashes, Steven, and I lose like <laughs> three quarters of what I just put into it and have to recreate it again. I know. I mean, again, if there's a balance there, I don't mean to be, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be putting down technology. Because no, no, but let me explain because I think I actually drew it out of you in a sense there because no, no, we're not going to put down technology at all. I just thought you're interesting. Your, your statement was very interesting in our, in our industry in technology and audio visual, uh, you know, there are many aspects of technology in this industry. There's not one, there's not two, there's many. And Johnny and Katie will, of course, attest to that. And we, by the way, we not only have, we have commercial, we have residential 
Um, we go into smart home. Uh, we, we do all of that in this industry. Uh, so, you know, we are multi-component uh, in that sense. But technology, pretty much in everything we do now and, and in music and composition, you know, you certainly have that too. There's no question about it. Well, and again, too, I mean, even in our own little company here, there's a tendency for us to, if we're doing marketing stuff, all of a sudden you've got, you know, at your disposal, you've got software that allow you to create a, uh, you know, a, a marketing piece. Okay. And so, oh, here's a cool font. And what, what do I know about fonts? I mean, come on. I mean, that's where, you know, uh, there's, there's a really a balance there between where, when you get somebody that, that has, is a true artist that says, okay, there's a reason why this font goes with this color or this palette or whatever. And, and it's, that's the part that's, that's, I think in this day and age with all the tools that we have and, and even that's why, you know, there's amazing photographers and then there's people that buy amazing and expensive cameras that think they're photographers, you know, and they can't do beautiful shots and, and put them into some program and, make the corrections and things like that. But there's certain sensibilities and that's when it goes back to music and Greg will agree with this, that there are certain sonic things that, that create an emotional connection. Okay. That you just can't create with just a computer. Okay. And say, and, and you play it with a computer or something like that. there's something about the vibration of a real live string, so to speak, not just a guitar string, a violin string, a piano string, or whatever, a real sonic vibration that goes on that I'm convinced that, uh, that resonates and creates a, uh, like a, a, an emotional connection with a listener. And, um, um, you know, and I think that that is, you know, unfortunately becoming uh, kind of challenge in this day and age of technology. And, uh, and I'm sure that's in, in, in other areas, like in, in, even in your business to where, you know, like you said, the whole writing thing, um, there's, you know, all kinds of uh, tools to allow you to correct your grammar and so on and so forth. I, I don't know. Sorry, I'm rambling. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, this show is for rambling too. So uh, don't worry about that at all, Stephen. I, you know, I, I thought the his, well, it, he wasn't rambling at all. I thought it was really interesting, and I, I just so wanted yeah. now, you know, it's like he, he could talk for hours. Um, but so relatable story is we've been working, we work solely in the AV industry, but um, we live in a small community, and there's a rock band that's up and coming. They just cut a album locally in a new studio. A guy named Trace Ritter started a Ranch Road recording, and we spent probably collectively we're probably out there for twenty days. Um, you know, small chunks, large chunks, depending on what they were doing. And there was one day in particular when he was working with one of the guitarists and there literally was about three hours where Trace and the guitarist just worked on one little section, one little riff, and they didn't like the sound. There was something about the sound that was coming off of that guitar that Trace as producer was driving him crazy. And so for the better part of literally, I think it was like two or three hours and he was just swapping out the pedals, swapping out the pedals. He's like, all right, play it. You know, and they'd lay down the track, they'd listen to it, not quite right. Swap out the pedals, lay down the track, not quite right. And there was just, 
just, it was really interesting because they probably went through, it seemed like 15 or 20 pedals just to get the right tone, the right, you know, and it was, it was just, it was a fascinating process to watch because, you know, we've, one, we've never been in the studio environment. So, you know, just kind of seeing how each element is laid down and then later how it's produced and brought into one was really, it was fantastic. And it's like, it was just, it, although similar to what we do, totally different, but yet you can sort of feel the pressure of, you know, you gotta, we got to get out of here, got to get out of here, but it's not right till it's right. You know, and so I, I kind of heard a lot of that, Stephen, and what you were saying, and it's it's just it's such a neat industry to tap into for us because you know it's there is some crossover, but who doesn't like music? You know, somehow it's going to resonate with you, and to see the process of the recording side is just it's amazing. Well, you know, let me say this too. What's interesting with music, and I don't mean to be shifting gears here or whatever, but. Um, Last, about two weeks ago, my daughter worked for a, little, for a special abilities. Um, uh, it's a bunch of handicapped. Uh, they're, I guess, some adults, some, you know, mid-adults or whatever. So she wanted me to come in and do this little, um, you know, they have people come up from time to time. And so I, I came in there, and so it was really amazing. So when I first, my whole thing was on sonic branding. So... I asked them, I said, okay, so what's a, what's a brand? Like, how did cowboys back in, uh, in the 1800s, how did they tell whose cow belonged to who? And then immediately all their hands went up and went, well, they had a stamp, they had a brand. You know, that's how you knew it was your cow. And I said, okay, so do you think companies have brands? And they go, how does a company have a stamp? You know, and then so up on the screen I put, a picture of the Starbucks logo. These, these are brands that have no names, okay? The Nike, you know, McDonald's, the M. And so what, and it's amazing, the minute they saw those, they, um, they rattled them off. And these are, these are mentally challenged, you know, kids and adults or whatever, that the minute they saw that, that, that visual. And then I said, okay, like, do you, do you think these brands have a, a sound and they were going hmm and so then i went through this whole thing where i was playing like what i call famous melodies and you play like two seconds of of the 20th century fox thing that comes on a movie or jaws or friends or cheers or i love lucy or simpsons and you know within two seconds they they know exactly what it is and so that to me that was the lesson. It's like, so how do you learn your ABCs? You know, and you sing them. And so there's something about music and the the sonic thing that that happens. And what's interesting is often that lives long beyond the product, the advertisement, or the show. Because all of us can sing can can sing things, and we sing things in the shower that no longer or even available in the market, you know, but anyway, somehow that circles back to me as to what we do with technology and how we try to get those brands, that music, that hit song or whatever it is we do. Uh, but there's a, it, it, somehow there, there, it's, it's just interesting how, how it, how it circles back and, um, I always find it fascinating and, and the and the more I'm in the business, the more, you know, that aspect of it gets ignored because 
there are so many acquisitions and so many mergers and so much more content out there and that people are firing off things so fast that sometimes they're losing uh, the very foundation of what makes art. And I just want to say one thing too. Uh, Steven is like the number one guy I've ever met in my life. He, he comes up with the strongest I mean, he's like one of those guys that's like, he's hard, he was born to do this, hardwire. He comes up with four or five notes, and they're the notes, man. I mean, you just, I mean, it's just magical, man. And I never met anybody, Stephen, like you, man. I mean, does that kind of thing. I mean, I mean I've, I've worked with some other people, and they're not even close. But you come up with these unique things out of this. And, and, and simplicity is the hardest thing to achieve, but it's like, man, it's like brilliantly simple. You know what I'm saying? It's like what you do. And I just want to tell you guys that. Off the yeah. Hey, Johnny, how come you never compliment me like that? Uh, I'll have to check in with my assistant who writes all my statements. Oh, oh, next time make sure your assistant writes a little something like that. I'll send you a uh, fruit basket. And makes me that. feel better, you know. Oh, fruit basket works. That's, that, that's good. That's popular with people, right? Fruit baskets? Yeah, yeah. Make sure there's maple bacon donuts in there too, would you? I'll put that in the addendum notes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Maple bacon donuts. Uh, AV power up is also brought to you by maple bacon donuts. So <laughs> Dunkin' donuts get on it. Um, anyway. Uh, so yeah, we definitely talked about Sonic branding. Uh, Steven, something definitely, uh, wanted to get to. So, uh, Steven Arnold music again. I met David at the show. We talked about Steven Arnold music and, um, you know, again, we talked about the Sonic branding. There's also the Vault. Tell us about the Vault. Well, okay, there's, there's in our world, in our wheelhouse, there's probably uh, three silos of music. There's, you know, the people that can afford uh, for us, to commission us to write brand new music. Um, and then there's uh, the whole uh, other scenario where we do a lot of music that gets repurposed for different uh, TV stations. The Vault is basically a music production library, and, and there is nothing unique about a music production library. There are, there are hundreds of them, probably thousands of them. Um, so we have a very, uh, and what a music production library is, uh, a music library is simply sort of like you go to a library to get a book and it's already written, you just pull it off the shelf. So that's the same thing with music. So you can, you can pay $30,000 to have a custom theme made, or you can pay 300 bucks to license a piece of music that's already been um, written and produced. Uh, and typically it would be non-exclusive. So you do run the risk of, of having, you know, if you're a, you know, a waterbed store, there could be a car dealership using the same piece of music that doesn't usually happen very often, but um, so our li our music library, and that's one reason we went to the Government Expo was to try to um, engage into a, a, a new arena of and you know with 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 the vault, the vault being our it's a, basically a boutique library. Greg's one of the writers that has some uh, a number of musical compositions in it, and the unique thing about the vault, so to speak, is um, is that we it's it comes from most music libraries are basically 
people that just collect a bunch of as much music as they can from from uh, as many sources as they can of you know obviously our business has been highly i guess we were fortunate to work with a lot of high profile uh, properties and and you know CNN and like I said weather channel things like that so the experience level we have in dealing with music I think is a is is um, uh, we just have a lot more experience working with that so the vault is highly curated uh, so that the, it's not as large as a lot of other music libraries but when you do a keyword search for music you end up coming up with some really uh, great cues, music cues, and um, it also is allowing us to to have another revenue stream that as other revenue streams start diminishing because of budgets, uh, this revenue stream uh, can grow and and uh, and it also allows a lot of uh, uh, end users the ability to have good sounding uh, soundtracks without having to pay an arm and a leg. Mm. I think Greg is taking this all in. Uh, <laughs> Greg, you look you look fascinated. I'm fa I'm certainly fascinated by all of this. Uh, but you you also uh, you know put uh, music in the vault as well, right, Greg? Yeah, sure, sure thing. Yeah, was a lot of pieces of mine are in there and as well. And it's just like like you said, man. It's just there's just so much stuff in there. Your your brain will explode. <laughs> I think my brain's already exploding right now. It's all. I mean, it's it covers the gamut, man. I mean, whatever you want is there. I mean, it's crazy mm. how much music's there. So mm. yeah, no, it sounds like it. It really does. I mean, uh, and, and you know, to be able to provide that uh, that service, and again, I you know, in terms of the government video expo and any of the other trade shows uh, you guys attend, Stephen, um, this is what you're selling, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it's it's a there are uh, lots of music production libraries out there, and and I think that that what you know what separates our our, our library is simply the fact that that you know we're songwriters. I mean, we're we're people that that um, uh, I mean, we're sort of the, the artists versus the reps, so to speak. So. Uh, that's what we're very proud of, and and it, while it is much smaller than some of the other production libraries, we feel like that the the quality level and the service and right. there really allows us to be able to um, deliver something that's um, that is sort of missing mm. often. often. Yeah, well, people know I like to sing, so man, I would if I don't know if you have just instrumental in there. Man, wouldn't I love to put vocals to a tune in your vault. <laughs> so, Corey, did you sing at the uh, – I know Bauman had a uh, little microphone there and guitar there. Did you uh, – No, I didn't. Are you kidding? Yeah, he did. I mean, he had a um, – yeah, he did. We have this really cool – it's a Line 6. For, forget what they call it, but uh, you can have backing tracks, man. It, there's probably – Yeah, yeah there's oh. probably – Next time, in fact, if I do see David at a show, I'll say, by the way, uh, I did not get a chance last time. I'm hoping to this time because, uh, no, I like the karaoke and all of that. But I think Johnny wrote a song. Didn't you write a song once, Johnny? Uh, yeah, but we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it didn't go well. It didn't, huh? Yeah. Well, we're going to try and put that in the vault, but maybe next time. Yeah, I can uh, do better. Katie, if there was any song that you could think of that you'd want to take out of that vault – what is it? 
Hmm? Any song. Come on. Oh, man, that is so hard. Group, I, I mean, I, you know. Yeah, that's hard. I, I was just overlooking at the website, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I got everything over here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Too much. Is, is your brain exploding right now? It is, and, of course, you know, being being uh, creative and always needing to find music at the last minute, as he says, it's like, ooh, right. who's behind this door? Katie may be up all night looking at your wall now, uh, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's incredible stuff. Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Well, hey. Katie, one thing we could do, though, see, this is where we could, you know, if you're looking for something, all you get, instead of spending all your time searching, you pick up the phone, you call up one of my guys, and in 30 minutes, they're going to send you 20 cues, and you don't have to look for them. Yeah, see, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. So that's that's uh, very cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, anyway, hey. You talk about I you talk about service in this industry and Stephen. There's a lot of talk, obviously, with services and service in this industry. It sounds like you have a heck of a service model going there. You really do. Well, you know what? It's we're fortunate because I have most of my, especially in my production department, my creative director Chad's been with us 22 years. My engineer, probably 25 years, and uh, uh, gosh, there's five of us. And and I mean, I don't think anybody's been here under 10 years. Uh, and it, what's interesting is they all started when they were about 22, so they're all still very young, except for me, of course. But, but, uh, but I'm, you know, that is, you know, that's an area that people, a lot of people claim. But uh, in this day and age of all the mergers and acquisitions, stuff like that, we really pride ourselves. And hey, let's just, you know, the thing is, music has a tendency to be a commodity. Okay. It's like, unless you really are, unless you really understand music, it's like, hey, wait a minute, if we can get it cheaper, whether you want to get it cheaper or not, uh, but your boss says get it cheaper, I mean, you know, so what am I going to do is go, hey, our notes are better than their notes? We'll never win that battle because it's, music is subjective. So we determined a long time ago that even though we feel our notes are better than most other people's notes, we also feel that that over and above the notes, if we can be a liaison and be able to communicate with um, our prospects and our clients, that's you know, and and be able to um, offer that to them, then then that helps sets us apart. So we we realize that it is you know uh, you know a. a a striking difference if we can offer a, a service like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about being a guy who's been around for a, for a while and, uh, <laughs> and all, Stephen, let me tell you something. And this is true. There've been people who've been around for a while. Uh, I want it, whether I, whether I come to Texas or you come here or thereabouts, I want to have a beer or a few beers with you, my friend. Cause, uh, Man, I could hang out and listen to you for hours. There's no question hey, about it. Well, you're, I'll, I'll buy as many beers as you want. And I'll probably there you go. <laughs> Let's bring Katie and Johnny along, too, okay? <laughs> hey, uh, it's going to be an expensive bar tab. No. <laughs> Just because of Johnny. Because of Johnny. No. Well, no, Johnny's, uh, Johnny drinks water and, uh, and Pete's coffee. So, well, uh, well, well, I'll get home 
Hey, I'll, I'll drink you all. <laughs> Come on down, Greg. Come on oh, down. Oh, wow. We got the throwdown here. I, love it. I have more people to invite, by the way, who can add to the challenge. So, uh, where are we going to? We got to get together in some central spot. Well, let's figure it out, okay? Because we're all dispersed all across the country. Yeah. But uh, this already sounds like a great event. And, you know, we'll be talking some real great stuff. And by the way, we're getting to it right now. Let's not hesitate. Guitars. Okay, because, uh, man, uh, so this book that sits actually on my desk, it, not, it doesn't leave my desk, okay? A Story of Six Strings, written by Stephen Arnold, with photography by Chris Fritchie. And we certainly have to talk about Chris Fritchie, Stephen, because the photography is amazing in here. Now, this is an audio podcast. We'll be talking about the book. But for anybody who's listening, I really tell you, please go out and get this book because it's incredible. What I'm going to do is start off, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to start off by reading a statement, and here it is. If you like guitars, you're going to love this book. Stephen Arnold's guitar collection shines through Chris Fritchie's beautiful photography and a story of six strings. The combination of cool guitars, brilliant photography, and funny stories makes this one of the best guitar books I've seen. And Stephen, to answer your question, who really has their first guitar? I do. Cheers. That statement by Steve Miller of the Steve Miller Band. So for anybody out there, and if you don't know Steve Miller, uh, I don't know why, I don't want to know you. Um, but Steve, uh, I tell you, Stephen, just that statement alone makes you want to get this book. No question about it. So, uh, you know, tell us a little about, bit about that and, uh, you know, the reason you, uh, you did this book in the first place. Well, the, the book was really, uh, really the photographer is the one who kind of came up with the vision of the book. And uh, he, he had this vision of, hey, why not tell the story of, of your company, um, your journey through the backdrop of these guitars. And he slowly saw these guitars that I had. And, and it, it, you know, um, it started off with him grabbing a few guitars and I got this idea and, and can I borrow a few guitars? And he came back with these beautiful uh, pictures. Actually, he came back with a phone call going, are there any stories behind this guitar? And I, guitarist, and, and I, you know, I thought, um, well, also I said, yeah, there are stories behind them, you know? And then uh, that one thing led to another, and pretty soon it was like, um, it really was, part of it was just a, uh, this great concept part of it was a, a marketing tool for us. Um, and I, part of it was I didn't realize the vast number of guitars that I had that were kind of just sitting in closets and stuff like that. Uh, like I say, I mean, there are some really, really nice guitars, but the majority of guitars aren't just what I would call exquisite guitars, but, um, you know, like my, um, the, the most interesting thing was the very first two or three guitars in the book were guitars that my mom had in her attic that I didn't realize I still had. Like my first guitar I ever got when I was seven was a Sarah Silvertone guitar. Um, and then she pulled down this, my very first uh, uh, electric guitar, which from Sears for sixty nine ninety five. It was a guitar that had a, uh, um, I don't know, I'm, you know, most people listening are probably 
much younger, but it used to be Sears catalog had all this really cool guitars in there. So it was from the Sears catalog. And then, um, lo and behold, she had my, um, 1965, uh, Fender, um, Mustang guitar that I had when I was in high school that I had stored there. And so it just, I started kind of pulling out all the stuff that I had. And I realized that, wow, this, I mean, so it was really fun. And, and so, um, Chris ended up talking me into, uh, he had this old van. He said, look, you know, all I want is just gas money and hotel money. And I'll just drive all around the country and photograph these guitars. So like example, I had this very cool, uh, 1952, um, uh, Martin D, uh, 28, uh, and, that when I wrote the uh, 9-11, it was when, when uh, CNN did the uh, 10 years after 9-11, uh, which was in, uh, I guess, 2011. I mean, 2000, I forget what it, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so he took that guitar up to ground zero, and they were rebuilding it, and all of a sudden he just ran into to a fireman and a policeman. He took a picture of the guitar, them holding it. And, you know, just classic moments like that so it, it's really it was just kind of a uh, an, an interesting journey and it was really more about the photography and more about the kind of moment in time of these guitars because a lot of the stories were just hey it's like you know I was playing for the former Miss Texas and you know I had this this old 1965 um, 330 Gibson guitar you know and it was probably one of the only guitars I didn't hawk back in my LA days, but yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, and I'll tell you something very cool. We also talked about guitarists before the show. And I think Greg, you know, some of the guitarists we talked about, I definitely want to bring them up. Uh, but were you going to say something, Greg? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just, I was listening. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's an incredible book. I mean, you know, I was blown away when I got when I saw it. I was like, "Geez, man!" <laughs> I think that's exactly what I said when I saw it. It was um, like, you know, great photography, man. I mean, yeah. You know, so I, I, I tell you what, Stephen, um, you talked about in the beginning, and that was that Sears Silvertone acoustic. Did you say how much you actually paid for that guitar? Well, it was given to me. I was in the second grade, mm -hmm. and I think that guitar was when it was interesting because my mom still had the. Uh, Sears catalog and there's a picture of the um, Sears catalog with the in the book uh, unfortunately Chris in a he took the catalog to, to shoot the pictures of the guitars and mm -hmm. he, can't find, he can't find the Sears catalog so but it was mm. from the 60s but um, that must be phenomenal if you do find that catalog. And by the way, I will say it's here in the book. It's fourteen ninety nine, or at least it was fourteen ninety nine in the Sears yeah. catalog. Yeah. Uh, back in the day when you could get a great guitar from Sears. Uh, <laughs> amp in the case. Remember? I still had that guitar. So. Yeah, they have a, they had an a built in amp in the case, and uh, in one in one of the Silvertones, the uh, mm -hmm. you know the amp was built into the case. So he's like, you know, yeah. Hey, John, Johnny, what's the last thing you bought from Sears? Uh, debt. <laughs> okay. Katie, I'm not going to ask you. I don't think you've stepped in a Sears in uh, forever. <laughs> not in forever. No, <laughs> I think I bought a hammer at Sears 10 years so ago. A hammer. There you go. Well, that's pretty I still have it, for. and it's still hammer stainless Oh, stainless. Stephen has his guitar, and you have your hammer. There you go. Hey, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah, go ahead, Greg. 
At least you can get you can bring your tools back if they break. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, Stephen, if I look in the contents, can you actually, if I give you something out of the table of contents, can you give a short description to that? I'll try, yeah. All right. Let me do this, okay? Here's one. I saved this guitar's life. Give me a short description to that if you remember. Okay, that was back um, in uh, – 2005, uh, I was in New Orleans, and uh, uh, my son was going to Tulane, and in fact, I think Greg and I were working on a job together for uh, a TV station, WWL, and so my son said, hey, you've got to go buy this really cool uh, guitar shop that sells all these old guitars, so I went in there, and they had this old uh, 1969 Stratocaster, and uh, so I ended up buying it, and um, I'd never owned a, uh, uh, an old Strat, and I was always dying to get one, so this thing was very, very cool. It was kind of beat up, bought the guitar, and sure enough, um, three months later, uh, Katrina hit, and the guitar store was totally wiped out, so th that was kind of funny. So the, the I think the byline on that was that I think I saved this guitar's life, like you said. And That's it. That's it. It's a, it's a 1969 Fender Strat. And the picture is incredible. Just this leaning up against a white picket fence. And there's a, you know, the scenery behind it at, uh, at dusk and, uh, incredible. Next. Um, this is CNN. Okay. CNN, that is a, um, that guitar, I believe was a custom made Martin guitar. That's uh, correct. And they made, I think a hundred of them. Although that's not that unusual, Martin always comes out with these gimmicks, and you know. So I bought this cutaway Martin guitar, and it, it was really pretty because it had pearl. They had a really neat inlay and stuff like that. So um, when uh, when I had to do the when we did, I say had to do when we we were privileged to do the CNN um, of. I'm trying to think. Uh, which project that was because we've done a number of them but anyway i used to take guitars with me when we would present because it was everybody was always in just intrigued when you sat there and played their mnemonic or their logo on just bare bones on a guitar they would go so that's how i would start it off so that guitar was one of the very first projects that got me into one of the very big cnn jobs and mm -hmm. i I still have that guitar. It's a, it's a wonderful guitar. And that is a 2001 custom Martin cutaway. Uh, next is something I rarely ever have, but if I did, I'd probably have this guitar. An uncommon cure for a common uh, case of writer's block. That's a great one. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's the Tamaki, uh, uh, a 12-string uh, guitar. Mm -hmm. It was, if you look at the headstock, it's a, it's, it's a ripoff of um, – of a Martin and they got sued, I think. And, um, uh, and I, I, I t sometimes will go to a 12 string guitar just because it brings on a whole new dimension of sound. And, you know, it, it just, it just brings out another dimension of ideas. So sometimes I'll just go like, I just distinctly remember grabbing that guitar sometimes and going, you know, you just play it and go, Oh wow, this is really cool sound. So, uh, that's that's what that is, a uh, Takamini. Okay, this one says it all. It's only rock and roll. 
Is that the Ibanez? No, that's your uh, your 1969 Fender Telecaster Relic. Oh, okay, yeah. That's okay. Um, that's the guitar I had in L.A. and I hocked it. And I think I think there's a picture in there that has a, um, a pawn shop. It's amazing some of the shit that I end up saving. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that guitar, and, and I was, I found that, uh, a, basically a replica of that guitar. What I've tried to do, some of the guitars that were really cool that, that I, I pawned off, because when I lived in LA, I mean, I couldn't rub two nickels together. So I was always, I was always pawning guitars. And mm -hmm. um, most of them, unfortunately, I never got, had the money to get back. That was one of them. Mm, okay. This one's cool. Twin Sons of Different Mothers. Okay, that, that's a very interesting story. Those are two. Um, uh, one is a, it's a six-string banjo, 1927, I think. Uh, 28. 28. 28 banjo. Uh, Gibson made those for about five years. So I'm in this pawn shop, and, um, and I find this, like, six-string banjo that says Gibson, and, and it says the Gibson, which is with different – different logo that they use now. So I knew right away it was an old one. They didn't know what they had. So I didn't pay that much money for it. So I, I got that. And then about a week later, um, in McKinney, and I'm through going through, McKinney has a lot of these antique stores. And I'm going through this uh, antique store, and I see this small, what they call a uh, 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 banjolin. And it's basically a... Um, a mandolin that's shaped that looks like a, a banjo and it's when i and it was for next to nothing the guy didn't know what he had so i bought that within a week so i had these two guitars supposed to say the gibson that look exactly alike and so um uh, therein lies the, the title yeah so i'm going to throw this one out and this is going to start talking guitarists too and this is the one that leapt out at me plug me into something and you already mentioned it that's paul stanley's 1994 ibanez iceman yeah. uh and i saw this and i said there you go that's the guitar yeah, that was very cool that was at a um, somebody who was an attorney in dallas was doing some legal work and was able to get that guitar signed for a um uh i think one of my kids um school auctions and, um, you know, I just, you know, I, I saw it and I went, oh, my gosh. So I, I, I bid on it. I probably paid next to nothing on it because most of the other – this was back in, like, probably back in the 90s. And, you know, and they were like most – of, most of the parents there could give a shit about Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I was there, you would have been in a bidding war. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I still had that thing. It sounds great. I, I don't play for him. I wish – the problem is, you know, I've kind of lost my chops like, uh, you know, used to have. But um, anyway, it's it's fun to dream. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So in terms of guitarists, I mean, Johnny, Katie, jump in. Because I think what I'd like to do here, Stephen, is in the remaining minutes we have is throw out a guitarist. And you can tell me if or tell us if you've come across anything. So, uh, Johnny, you first. Uh, throw out a guitarist. Uh, I'm sorry. Repeat the full question. Throw a guitarist that involves. Uh, okay. So name a guitarist 
in less than five words. <laughs> and let's see if Steven's come across anything from uh, said guitarist. Oh, man. You're just saying pick any guitarist or from history? group or in history, in the history of man, yes. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Steven, come on, really. Well, I do have a left-handed uh, – it's funny. I've I've got a white Stratocaster that's mm-hmm. that I got distressed. I bought it. I bought it left. It's a left-handed Stratocaster because Hendrix played a right-handed Stratocaster. Right. He turned upside down. That's right. Because he was left-handed. Well, I bought a left-handed one and turned it upside down, so it looks like Hendrix playing it. So the the tuning pegs are on the bottom. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Anyway, so yeah, go yeah. ahead. Katie, you got one? Well, I have one, but I don't know if this is more of a challenge or just a, you know, what do you know? But I, I, I kind of had an eclectic range of music, and I love Rodrigo and Gabriela. Heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Greg's got yeah. it. Uh-huh. Come on, Greg, get in here. <laughs> Tell me the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, uh, Spanish guitar, the uh, Spanish yeah. guitar. Yeah, that came out of the speed metal and got into some... Right, yeah. Great, <laughs> man. Crazy. Oh gosh, um, I want to say, man, that's a. Um, I can't think of the name of the guitar right now. Oh, geez. Uh, um, stumped you guys. Stumped you guys. Uh oh, could be a stumper <laughs> from Katie. Stumper. Wow. Stumper. Oh, you're Look, looking he's going to the interwebs. I'll think when I when I think. <laughs> he's of going it. to the interwebs now. <laughs> Steven. Oh, yeah. No, I guess that's why I got Greg here, because he could cover my ass. Oh, <laughs> he's going on the interwebs to cover your ass right now. <laughs> Tell us about, you know, some, you know, we talk about rock, classic rock and all of that, some of the guitars and guitars you've come across there. Gosh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, most of the stuff I do, I just write myself. I was never, never really into um, – uh, a lot of bands never listen to a, a lot of stuff. It's kind of surprising. Uh, my whole thing is like when we get um, when we get an assignment, I just call Greg. No, <laughs> Greg's the go-to there. Huh? Yeah, no, he, knows, but, he knows it all. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's kind of funny though. Like the guitars that I have and stuff like that. It's not so much of of you know because I liked a certain artist or whatever. It's just that I just ran across, ran across them and, and it just kind of happened and, and you know, that, that kind of thing. So it's hard for me to kind of speak to some of these questions simply because. No, that's okay. I just figured I'd throw the names out there because, yeah. you know, I love to hear the names, but you know, there are certain guitars known for those particular guitars and those guitar models uh, Paul Stanley played the Ibanez and, uh, you know, and all. So, you know, you try and reference to guitarists as well. But, Greg, hey, Greg, any real big guitarist moments in your life? Well, you know, I tell you one of the cool things, and it was very – the guy who owns it doesn't deserve to own it, but uh, he was a, he's a famous movie star, I'll tell you that. But he, and I, but, but the guy wait, 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 we, we, we reveal names on this show, uh, Greg. Well, I can reveal the name, but, uh, okay. but uh, anyway, his name's Steven Seagal. Oh, oh, that guy. Oh, Johnny's a good friend of his, by the way. Yeah, he's, a, he's a very good chef. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. There you, you go. Go ahead. Well, uh, anyway, uh, he uh, had a uh, uh, he had the black face. I mean, the black the uh, the, the the amp that Jim and Jim and Hendrix played at Monterey. He had the amp, and it was sitting in his house. And I'm going, oh my god! 
and he said he bought he paid some astronomical amount of money for it. One of Stevie Ray uh, Vaughan's guitars he had, uh, one of his uh, collection of many guitars that he had. I don't know which one it was, but it was it was definitely you know. But he had a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, uh, one more thing that Hendrix had that was like an, an old acoustic or something that he had. Um, um, just a bunch of stuff he had, you know, like he collected. So, and um, but that was that was pretty interesting. I I just was around like royalty of guitars out there. Was mm. like, which you know, one, one thing from the book, one more that I'll throw out that I thought I saw in here was Paul McCartney's uh, one of Paul McCartney's basses, uh, Stephen. Well, it's yeah, it's it's. I ran across this. It's basically it's of course it's right handed. It, it wasn't Paul McCartney's, but it was, but basically it was a. It was a 1962, I think, or 61 uh, Hofner bass that, okay. uh, that um, was actually the year a year older than the bass that he used. Now he, mm, I found it. It was a little earlier, and it got stolen. But uh, anyway, I, I when I ran across this, I, you know, the the cool thing was that it was right-handed, so I could play it. Mm. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, and the way it's described, uh, Paul McCartney's bright melodic and rhythmic patterns have influenced my writing significantly. His Beatle bass or violin bass was made by the German guitar maker Hofner in 1963. Uh, it's a 6-4 edition, and uh, as you said, my, plus mine is a right-handed version, so I can actually play it. So uh, look at that. You found gold, I guess, there, huh, Steve? Yeah. I could go yeah. grab it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please, please do. I mean, uh, you know, we'll talk amongst ourselves for a couple of minutes while you, while you get it. I'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, yeah. So, Greg, uh, we're going to wrap it up in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, please tell us a little bit again more about yourself. Uh, you know, everything we should know about Greg Barnhill. Sure, man. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, uh, I still perform, but I don't perform as much as I used to. I go out and I'm, I go out with Kim Carnes. She was an act in the '80s, and I go out mm -hmm. and do some stuff with her. Sure. And then I also play. I, I uh, you know, do my own gigs. But I'm, I'm more blues oriented. I'm from New Orleans, so I, I you know, I, I kind of that's where I, where I live, you know. But I, like I said, I listen to all music, and and so, mm -hmm. and you know, in, in doing this, in doing the kind of music we do, uh, production music and stuff, we have to listen to everything, even if we don't like it. Even if it doesn't gel with us, we, we uh, you know, I listen to it and I absorb it. And I, and I kind of have to um, become it to a certain degree for, you know, to, to get in a studio with it. And, and the thing about music and, and, the, and the growth of music and being an artist is, and being a creator, that is, is to not be afraid of anything, man. It's to go and, and to be dumb enough to, be, to think you can do it. You know what I mean? Because they're in, you're going to get somewhere in between if you do that. You know what I mean? You may not hit your target, like you say, but you go, you'll get it like somewhere near it, you know, or halfway or wherever, at least, you know. But but um, when I was working on a, movie, on a movie out in California, I was working with uh, DMX, you know, and, and the guys out there. And so right. um, it, it was just, it, it, there were, you know, it was odd because I, I, I didn't really, I didn't come from a really rap background. So I was sitting there and, and I'd say something and here I was this guy and, they would go, oh, no, no, man, we would say that. We'd say it like this, you know. We, you know, we'd, And so, but I would, I would constantly throw out stupid things. And the thing is, being a songwriter is not to be afraid to be embarrassed or stupid and to say stupid things because you filter through those things. And we all get in rooms and when we co-write, you know, we, we, we say the stupidest things and, you know, and they just like, well, you know, you know, somebody looks at you funny for a minute, but we, we get over it and we don't, we don't take that 
we don't internalize any of that crap. No, you got to throw it out there. And writing too is the same way. It's like you put it out there and I'll tell you what, I publish some blogs where I go, all right, let's see what it does. Once it gets out there, you know, it's my thoughts and everything else. And Katie puts material out in the environment and uh, you know, maybe there's times Katie, you're putting stuff out there and say, like, okay, here it comes. Right. Yeah. You know, you yeah. never know, right? It's you never know. No, and sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta let it roll. And yeah, and let it roll. You know, that's <laughs> actually a favorite song of mine. Um, you know, Stephen has got the bass, and he is going to start pl pl playing this thing. Well, I still, I'm going to show you this. Like this is in the book too. This is kind of. You got a uh, six string there. It's a six. Now this is a 19, 1854. Oh. Uh, what they call Schmidt Mall, but it's uh, when when Martin, you know, Martin's probably the most famous guitar uh, company. So he was actually an old. He was a furniture maker. Moved over from uh, Germany to New York, and so he was making furniture. And so he got really he got into guitars, but he got but so he started hiring these guys to help make his guitars. So this guy named Schmidt. Um, what made some of his very first guitars. So this is actually, and it's Schmidt left him. Uh, Martin started, I think, in 1834 or something like that. And then Schmidt worked for him uh, for about 10 years and started his own company. So then he made his own guitar. So this is one of the first guitars that Schmidt made. And uh, it, they're just amazing. They look, I mean, it's basically um, the same, same guitar as a Martin. Mm. But um, it's it's interesting to look at a, a guitar that's like made in eighteen. Oh, yeah. You know, I tell you, that's something but, to witness. I tell you. What's interesting is that after I got that got this guitar inside, what they used to do, they used to sign them and put the their address. So his address is on the inside of this guitar. You can't really see it, but it's but it's 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 um it's back inside. And it was a uh, Broadway. So in the book, it uh, so um, uh, Chris took this guitar up to New York, found the address on Broadway, took a picture of this guitar sitting sitting uh, on on the front doorsteps of that. that and listen to that, you know. Wow. But it's still, I mean, 1854. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, hey, look, Katie, Katie and Johnny, you've been witness to this. Let me, let me tell you, you know. Uh, yeah, my, and my fingers are making the social sphere a witness. <laughs> so episode 40 is already getting lots of promotional. Katie's already getting this out there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. So here's your uh, Paul here's Stanley. the Paul Stanley guitar. There That's you it. go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh this is all incredible stuff. Let me tell you. I mean, uh, this and yeah. there and there it is. There's uh, there's the Hofner uh, Beetle Bass. Yeah. Anyway, hey, by the way, hold that hold that there. I got I got a I got 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 to get a shot of that one. Yeah. All right. And, there we go. And as we call it, the money shot. Uh, <laughs> there we go. And uh, no, this is I got I got to tell you uh, a lot of you know all the eighty power ups we've done and mostly we talk technology and in the industry and all and sometimes we have special shows but tonight I mean this has been this has really been something special for us. There's no question about it. Um, you know, Greg got to tell us a little more about himself. Stephen, anything else we need to know about you? 
Now, you know what I would love to, you may not uh, have time to put this on the thing, but if Greg's got his guitar there, I would love him. Oh, to, yeah, man. I got, I oh, pick it up, Greg. We go as long as I want it to go. So One of the first big hits Greg had was a song called uh, Walk Away Joe. That, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I cut it a while back in uh, Don Henley, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I'll do that one, yeah. Hey, hey, Greg. Turn. Can you turn your camera so you can see the guitar a little more? Yeah, sure. Yeah. This is a. Oh, by the way, this is a uh, uh, Collins that uh, that that uh, Stephen gave me as a gift, man. Okay. Well, hold it up there, nice. So we're taking a picture of this thing. Okay. Yeah. Collins is a guitar that's made in Texas. It's one of the finer guitars that you can have. Uh huh. Right? Okay. Hey, you look in awe of this whole thing, huh? <laughs> Johnny. Johnny's speechless. His dog's taking notes to all of this, though. Oh, we. Oh, and listen, the other guitar is coming up here. Uh, let's just hang out in the podcast now. You know, we'll just. Th this could be the first uh, three-hour-long AV power-up. Uh, this should have been a live one. Shouldn't it have been? You know, yeah. we're going to do this again. I tell you, there'll be a crowd watching this one. Oh, go ahead, guys. Play away. Mama told the baby girl, take it real slow. Girl tells her mama, hey, I really gotta go. He's waiting in the car. Mama says, girl, you won't get far. But thus all the dreams of an average chain. 90 miles an hour down a lover's lane. On a bank of dreams Oh, now if she could have only seen But fate's got cards that it don't want to show And that boy's just a walk away Joe. Born to be a lever Tell you from the word go Destined to deceive her He's the wrong kind of paradise She's gonna know it in a matter of time. That boy's just a walk away, Joe. Just a little while into Abilene, they pull into a station and he robs it clean. She's waiting in the car. Oh, down underneath the Texaco star. Fantastic. Only wanted love, she didn't bargain for this. But she can't help but love him for the way he is. She's only 17. Oh, and there ain't no reason. So she'll ride this ride just as far as it will go. And she'll find he's a walk away, Joe. Born to be a lever, tell you from the word, yo. Destined to deceive her, he's the wrong kind of paradise. She's gonna know it in a matter of time. That boy's just a walk away, Joe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Somewhere in a roadside motel room, 
alone in a silence. She wakes up too soon and reaches for his arms. Oh, but she'll just keep reaching on. When the cold hard truth revealed what it had. That boy's just a walk away, Joe. Born to be a lever, tell you from the word go. There's to deceive her, he's the wrong kind of paradise. He was just another lesson in life. That boy's just a walk away, Joe. Yeah. All it was was a walk away, Joe. Oh, walk away. Walk away. Well, you, you all who have been listening have just gotten a very special treat. Greg Barnhill playing. Uh, that is Walk Away Joe, right, Greg? Yep, thanks, man. Yeah. Terrific. I, I got to tell you, that was awesome. that was for the awesome. three of us here, the crew on the show, I don't think we've had much more awesome experience than that, as well as this whole conversation we've had with Stephen and Greg. Uh, Stephen, Greg, both of you, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Stephen, uh, the website, uh, stephenarnoldmusic.com. Well, well, the www is there, but as we know, we can forget about those. <laughs> um, find it all there. Uh, Sonic, Brand, uh, Sonic Branding, The Vault, all that we heard tonight. Uh, absolutely great stuff. Steven, are you guys on social media, Twitter, Facebook? Yeah, all that stuff. Bauman handles all that stuff. <laughs> we'll go to David Bauman for that. Uh, Greg, are you on Twitter or uh, social media? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you just look, look me up. I'm, you'll, you'll find me. I'm one of the only Barnhill, so. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you both your appropriate plug. You can find Greg Barnhill at Greg underscore Barnhill. And there you go. Arnold at, at S underscore Arnold Music. There you go. Look or at you can check into AB Power Up's Twitter feed right now and you can find both. Wow, or, look at that. You guys are already handled by the great Katie McGregor Bennett of KMB yeah. Communications. Thank you. Look at that. <laughs> and there are several Greg Barnhills, by the way. Greg. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one, Greg. Sorry. <laughs> the only one that sings like that. You're the most important one tonight. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah. I, I do want to say one last thing. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephen. WWWs. We still have to sing at least one W. <laughs> okay. WXYZ, WKRLD. I mean, come on. There, okay. All right. We're not tossing all the Ws. We're all about Ws. And W is the hardest word for any singer in the studio to sing and to pull to make it to succinct. You know. So. Okay. Uh, I'm pulling that statement back as of right now. Uh, the W's are okay. Use them in a URL and go to town with the W's. Um, anyway, uh, thank you uh, to uh, the guests. Thank you to my crew, Katie McGregor-Bennett. Katie's going to be heading to ISE. Uh, big times there, right, Katie? Indeed. Indeed. This time next week, I will be putting the last of my socks into a giant piece of luggage and just crying about how expensive it's going to be to ship that baby. <laughs> Amsterdam, here Katie comes. Here comes all our luggage. <laughs> Johnny, Sir Captain Sky Pirate the Third Esquire, uh, here with us tonight. We don't know what he'll be next time, but uh, okay, uh, that's good. So, Johnny, any last uh, words? 
If I've learned anything from tonight's great and amazing conversation slash performance, it's that music is the way that feelings sound. Yep. Very true. Wow. There you go. Got Steve and Greg, take that one to the bank. That is uh, Johnny Moda at jmoda3 on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, again, thank you to Stephen and Greg. Thank you to my crew. Thank you for all the great people listening. We hope this was a treat for you as well as it was for us. And we will see you next time.